Hello and welcome to Crime Theories Off the Record, a podcast series where I explain my interpretation of criminological theories behind the why, when, and where people misbehave. This is your host, Karen. Hello everyone and welcome back. Today, I will be introducing to you critical theory, the social context that nourished the development of conflict theory. With its challenging social reality and existing structures of inequality soon shifted in a conservative direction. This social transformation could be conducive to criminology that was less oppositional and less questioning of existing arrangements and, as in the case of conservative criminology, antagonistic to criticism of traditional values and relationships of power. Even so, the scholarly tradition initiated by conflict theorists has persisted, albeit at times on the margins of criminology. Reviewing a significant line of inquiry in this general paradigm and bringing it up to date, feminist criminology that calls attention to the neglect of gender and patriarchy in criminological theorizing. Hence, I will be examining the most important, quote-unquote, new directions in critical criminology that emerged during the last 45 years and a more recent post-critical perspective that is highly critical of the new directions arguments. As it might become apparent, critical theory has remained a vital perspective, rich in its variety and attracted prominent adherents from several countries, including, among others, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, and the United States. The theories covered today pay very close attention to the current changes in social context that fuel critical thinking about the roles of power, politics, and the economy, especially the neoliberal ideology and policies that contribute to inequality, racism, abolition, and other social issues. Revelations about these topics are the very things that critical criminologists focus on and theorize about. What follows is a discussion of new criminology, the emergence and development of left realism and new ideas in criminological theorizing. But before I jump into this, I would like to remind everyone that I am not an expert in every aspect of my field, but I have researched the topic. Approximately 50 years since critical criminological perspectives in Britain and Europe started to develop, we can now more clearly understand and assess these theoretical contributions. Today, we can look at what was called the new criminology, left realism, and abolitionism and we can see that they were part of postmodern critics grounded in the grand narrative of Marxism. Although much changed in their current forms, these three perspectives nonetheless have been some of the most fertile in modern criminological theory. More specifically, during the 1970s and early 1980s, they were concerned with the social, economic, and political significance of crime. It is important to note that this period in criminology was also known by other terms, including Marxist, materialistic, dialectical, radical, social, and critical criminology. The neo-criminology experienced strong popularity and support on both sides of the Atlantic. Off the record, the concern was the British version of contemporary criminology because of the exceptional success of radical criminology in the country, which was something I discussed when focusing primarily on US theorists' work on social power and the construction of crime. Beyond its appeal in Britain was the fact that it not only had a significant impact on academic criminology nearly five decades ago but also remained influential. 
albeit outside of conventional criminology. Unlike so many criminological theories that have enjoyed relatively brief moments of popularity and faded away, the new criminology had a short decline followed by a resurgence of interest and influence. Early on, it was much influenced by what Young 1988 identified as the quote, impact of the West labeling theory centering around Howard Becker that set the creaking chariot of radical criminology off on its course, end quote. According to Young, this this involved a transformation of U.S. ideas that, like popular music, played back to the United States and the culture of Europe. But this development did not involve simply translating U.S. ideas to Britain. It was a transposition of ideas that had to travel a considerable distance politically, culturally, and indeed in terms of the contours of crime itself. More than this specific influence was at work. During the late 1960s, British criminology was at a crossroads because traditional positive with its emphasis on crude and simple biological, psychological, and sociological determinism was in crisis. The central problem was that unlike what traditional criminological explanations of crime could have predicted, a wholesale improvement in social conditions resulted not in a drop in crime but rather the reverse. Confounding as this problem was for conventional deterministic explanations of crime, it was not the only social abnormality that needed to be explained and corrected. It was part and parcel of many social problems challenging the British post-World War II welfare state, including urban housing problems and the destruction of communities, public health issues, and education issues. Thus, the crisis in criminology did not come out of the blue. It was part of the particular crisis in politics and culture, which refracted in the internal problems of criminology. It is against this background that the new criminology in Britain emerged. Arguably, each of these perspectives is an example of what once identified as postmodern criminology, which in turn was part of what was termed postmodern social thought. For a while, it had a significant impact on some forms of critical criminology. However, various critical voices today argue that postmodernism theorizing is somewhat peripheral in academia and not widely adopted by government social policy research funders. Off the record, this is a popular thought, as things in theory are not always the same in practice. Another consideration for the demise of modernity, according to Hayward, 2016 was criminology's failure to contextualize changes in crime and punishment within broader theoretical debates about Western societies. Transition into the conditions of late or postmodernity, capitalism, industrialization, and so on. Another part of the postmodern argument rests on the observation that modernism, along with its emphasis on traditional scientific logic, directs efforts to fix or change individuals or instructions while neglecting the larger picture of society. However, we do not want to be too hasty in dismissing the entirety of the contributions made to critical criminology by modernism and postmodernism. In the early 2000s, it was suggested that postmodern criminological thought was based on three vital language-based propositions, remarkably similar to the basic tenets of the social construction of reality and crime perspectives. But Watson, to my Sherlock, we do not want to lose sight of these critical points. First, the centrality of language. Reality and or social actions are shaped by the written and spoken word. Language is not neutral but contains values and assumptions that define who we are or interaction with others and the institutions of society and our participation in them. Secondly, partial knowledge and provisional truth. The meanings and actions of daily life are structured by language that is not neutral inescapably. Most if not all forms of understanding are limited and incomplete. Knowledge and truth are unquestionably partial and provisional. Lastly, this construction, difference, and possibility. 
Postmodern methods emphasize the disconstruction of the written and spoken word to expose implicit and hidden assumptions in specific narratives, such as the hidden and privileged political messages in certain court decisions. Decoding text, language written or spoken, exposes how particular truth claims are accepted while others are dismissed or ignored. The postmodern criminological theory encompasses articulating the differences in the language of all the voices involved in social interaction. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, these language-based arguments about constructing, decoding, and disconstruction have little to offer policy creation and implementation. They do constitute needed pleas and plans for more tolerance and diversity, but beyond this consequence, it is unclear whether they eliminate or provide a deep understanding of the structural causes of harm. Before going any further, I have to stress that there is no single critical criminology. Instead, they are essential criminologies that have different origins, they use other methods and have diverse political beliefs. At their core, they share perspective that asserts that the significant sources of crime stem from the fact that unequal class, race, ethnicity, and gender relations do in particular control society. This point is nicely captured in the words of David Fredericks, quote, the unequal distribution of power or material resources within contemporary societies provide a unifying point of departure for all strains of critical criminology, end quote. Compared to what some critical criminologists call orthodox, conventional, mainstream, or liberal progressive criminologists, these criminologists generally reject official legal definitions and measurements of crime. Crime-fighting policies that emphasize such things as zero-tolerance policing, three-strike sentencing, and private prisons, solutions that ignore significant structural and cultural changes in society as essential to crime reduction, are also rejected by critical criminologists. Whereas conventional criminologists often claim to be value-neutral scientific experts, critical criminologists disavow this position as ideologically naive and prefer to see themselves as more inclined to be politically active and committed to having their work reduce pain and suffering. During most of the last 50 years, this share assumptions and commitment, among others, have generated rich theoretical and research-based contributions. As a result, critical criminology now rivals mainstream criminology as a perspective that shapes thinking in the field. Indeed, it is a paradigm that arguably shares an equal partnership with conventional criminology. Overall, critical crime challenges traditional beliefs about crime and criminal justice, often by taking a conflict perspective such as Marxism, feminism, or critical theory. Critical crime examines the genesis of crime and the nature of justice in relation to factors such as class and status. Law and the penal system are viewed as founded on social inequality and meant to perpetuate such inequality. Critical crime also looks for possible biases in criminological research. Thank you for listening and choosing our podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're hearing from as we delve into more criminological theories. And don't forget to tune in to our next episode. Off the record, if you need help visualizing crime theories or only have a few moments to review, feel free to visit and follow us on Instagram at ct.offtherecord.com.